right. All right. Um, as Father Manolo said, welcome to everyone and blessings to you all and uh, uh, wishes for a good 4th of July celebration and safe celebration. Um, before we sort of dive into everything, just wanted to highlight for you all a, a beautiful connection, if you will, between the Old Testament story there with uh, Naaman and uh, Elisha and the, uh, and the song. We might remember the last time we met uh, Elisha, he had, was uh, looking up to heaven and uh, Elijah had gone up and he had struck uh, hit, hit the mantle on, on the river and said, you know, where is the God of Elijah? And so since then he's been what you might call a, a, a busy bee doing a lot of good things. Um, in his ministry. And today, uh, we have that reading there where he heals um, Naaman and the whole conversation that they have going back and forth about what is expected of um, the man of God and how the healing should be done. But just like that last little bit that he is healed, and if you think, if he knew this psalm, Psalm 30, that you could almost hear him singing these last words. He's saying, you know, you have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Those are the words of Naaman coming up out of the Jordan River on the seventh time and looking and seeing, oh my God, my wailing, my misery, my sackcloth, if you will, has been put aside. And you can imagine him perhaps dancing there by the Jordan River in celebration. But as I said, that is just one thing about today's uh, scriptures and what it brings to us. But our good news today. It's coming basically from Galatians, and it is built on hope and a divine promise. We are told that we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. We're not told when the harvest will arrive or what the harvest will be, because you know, this, is, this is the language of a, a metaphor, it's the language of a farming world that understands you put the seed in the ground patience, perseverance, you reap, and hopefully, with God's grace, up comes the fruit. It's the promise that is given to us that we, who have seeded the world with good deeds, will reap what we have sown. So let us not grow weary in doing good deeds. Yet I would confess on my own self and perhaps on the hearts of some of you all that there is a certain weariness and spiritual exhaustion in these days and times. There is, of course, the war in Ukraine. There are rumors of famine in Africa, worldwide inflation, and natural disasters. We celebrate our nation's birth at a time of deep, deep divisions the old Pledge of Allegiance that we used to say, and that's what I used to say, and I'm sort of dating myself, but way back when, you know, when 
you would come into school, you would you know, put your hand over your heart, the first thing you do, you say the Pledge of Allegiance, and those words, yeah, I would say in some ways, seem almost like a quaint relic of some bygone time. You wonder if we really could affirm today and say, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Turn on the pundits and read the newspapers and it's all about two nations. One red and one blue, one coastal and one middle, one liberal, one conservative. And, and maybe it was always that way, and I was just a kid doing the Pledge of Allegiance and didn't know any better. But we find that even in these days, our churches find themselves at odds with each other. Our churches declare themselves as red or blue, liberal or conservative. And these words from Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address ring as true today as they did in 1865. And I would uh, recommend and suggest to you to read Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. It's one of the greatest speeches ever given in the United States. I would say it is in the top five, at least, given at a time of tremendous strife. And when he says that both sides, both sides read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. 1865, perhaps 2022. In some ways, it seems the works of the flesh that Paul writes about in Galatians are rampant for enmities, Strife, factions, and dissensions are everywhere, and hope can be hard to find. If indeed by hope we mean the kingdom of God, where the fruits of the Spirit hold sway. Remember, Paul also wrote of those God-inspired gifts, love, joy, peace, gentleness, generosity, just to name a few. In a sense, brothers and sisters, it seems that we should all just hit the pause button and pray the words that the great Trappist monk Thomas Merton spoke of in his prayer to God where he says, The fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. I think I'm doing the will of God may not actually be doing it. We strive to do good, however that is understood. In our prayer for the human family, we ask God to work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish his purposes on earth. And that is the challenge of our time. And of every time in the Christian era, we strive and we struggle, we hope and we press on, alert for signs of God's love. And today we need to look no further than our own parish community and the good work that we are doing. Last year, we filled 130 backpacks for the children at Annapolis and Germantown elementary schools. The question, the challenge for us might be, can we do more this year? Can we bring a little more of the kingdom into our weary age? And how about our missioners continuing the decades-long work in Guatemala? just finishing and coming back safely. Coming back, as I'm told, transformed by that experience. 
by the experience and the time that they put there in which they were putting flesh and bone, heart and soul onto Paul's words that were to the Galatians, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Now, I do not give these examples to you to give us a pat on the back and say, well, how wonderful we are here at St. Anne's. And oh, look at the great and wonderful things that we do. I say them as a reminder that even in these weary times, we have not grown weary of doing the good things, doing what is right. And yet, as Jesus told the 70 on their triumphant return, do not rejoice at this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that by sowing to the spirit of God's love and compassion, we will reap eternal life if we do not give up. And that is the divine promise. Sometimes I feel that the vessel of hope, living water, God's word that that I bring to you, that that this vessel is, is broken, cracked, it's leaking, battered by the world and circumstance. But I bring it anyway so that we, all of us, yourselves and myself, that we might drink and be filled and be restored and be renewed. For we are the new creations that Jesus died for and that Paul wrote of. We are the ones who have clothed ourselves with Christ and thus have died to the world. Like Paul, we have been crucified with Christ and yet we live. As he says in today's passage, may I never boast of anything, not my accomplishments, my ministries, my accolades, or my good deeds. No, 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 may I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hear those words. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's riffing off of a passage that he said earlier, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, in which he says that he, again, you know, I've been crucified, and yet I live. But not me that I live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I live now, I live by faith that is given by the one who loved me, gave himself for me. First time I read that, it just knocked me off my, off my chair. Crucified? And yet I live? I live by faith? I live by one who has given his life for me and one who does not know me, does not know me, but yet loves me in a time that's beyond my comprehension. As I say, knocked me off my seat. But that's what he says. That's what the former Pharisee, crucified to the world, says. To our world, he says the same things. To our weary, strife-torn world, where even in the most desperate and forlorn places, we know that Christ is present. That, too, is part of the divine promise. He is, for us, Emmanuel, God with us, As you recall there at the end of Matthew's gospel there when they met on the mountain there in Galilee, what does he say to them? 
He says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So even though in this time, in this weary time, we may at times also grow weary. We may at times want to say, for heaven's sakes, what more should I do? What more can I do? What more must I do? Even when that is on our hearts, let us not give up our hope. Let us, as Paul says, seize every opportunity to do the work of Christ. And when we do, let us pray that it is actually His will that we are doing. A few final words here from Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who knew what it meant to rely on hope and divine promises, who knew what it meant to stare down the temptations of weariness. The Archbishop says to us, brothers and sisters, do your little bit of good where you are. It is those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. So let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not give up our hope, but let us continue to do those little bits of good and in doing so, know that we will overwhelm and restore our weary world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.